Good morning, everyone. It is the 1st of August. My name is Lorna Denny, and I'm joined today by Alex Byrne. Equity markets continued their recent rally to put in their best month since November 2020. The Nasdaq made its strongest daily gain last week in two years after key earnings reports in the tech sector. And government bond yields have continued to settle back as prices rose here too. As ever, it's all about interest rate expectations, and that is all down to the US Federal Reserve. What was the message from the Fed's July meeting, Alex? Morning, Lorna. The Fed delivered a 0.75 hike to interest rates, as was widely forecast and largely already discounted by the market. Regardless, in context, these are the largest back-to-back rate rises in more than a generation. This raises the policy rate to 225 to 2.5% range. The most significant action, however, was arguably the insight that the statement gave going forward. The Fed's commentary suggested that, although inflation remained the focus, the next few rate rises could be smaller, for the market equating to a 50 basis point rise in September and then 25 basis points in October. Optimum word there being could be. At one point, Jerome Powell also said the rate rise could be the same again and repeated that they will continue to focus on inflation as the priority. Yes, that's interesting. And could this then imply a lower terminal rate or peak rate for this cycle? It actually takes us to the range that has long been flagged by the Fed as the peak rate. Additionally, it continues to bring the market and Fed more in line, thankfully. Markets have certainly adjusted expectations of the peak interest rates downwards from 3.9% to 3.3% looking forward in February 2023. And Chairman Powell spoke of indicators that spending and production have softened. Was there a suggestion that recession will now be topping the Fed's list of worries? The Fed meeting was the day before the announcement of the US Q2 GDP, which was indeed a negative number, as it was in Q1. It's important to note that while other economies would count two consecutive negative quarters as a recession, This isn't the way that the US does it. At this point, it's still a technical recession. The Fed reiterated that they will be data dependent on a meeting by meeting basis. No more forward guidance for now. They're clearly concerned that they've been caught out in a negative manner on a number of occasions in the recent past. Although recession is certainly a concern and the softening of data will be taken note of, the focus for voting members will continue to be inflation going forward and the continued outpacing of what officials expected the peak to be. The latest data coming in the last week of PC inflation positive 6.8% year on year. It's therefore clear that the data will be important, especially inflation, both consumer and wage, in the upcoming weeks. And the Fed, after this decision, has two sets of data to look forward to from an eight-week period to consider before the next decision is made. Yes, that's true. But that message was very similar to what the European Central Bank was saying the week before, i.e. being data dependent. Elsewhere, though, European gas prices shot up again after news that the Nord Stream gas pipeline from Russia into Europe is running at only 20% of capacity. And we had Q2 GDP data from major European economies, Alex. That's right, Lorna. Positive upside surprises in a number of places. Preliminary GDP figures for France, for instance, showed a quarter-on-quarter growth of positive 0.5, well above the expected positive 0.2. We also had Spanish and Italian GDP figures, which were strongly ahead of expectations. This led to an overall posting for European GDP of positive 0.7% versus expectations of 0.2% on a quarter-on-quarter basis. That takes us to an annual level of 4%. The one negative outlier really being Germany, which was essentially flat over the quarter. So yes, similar message from the ECB, but very different situations along the journey of raising rates to contain inflation. As we may see at the ECB meeting in a month's time. But on the corporate front, the Q2 reporting season continues. It was interesting to see Nestle putting up product prices by on average 6.5% in response to rising input costs. Which other reports stood out for you? 
In tech, we had Meta, the parent of Facebook, report its first ever quarter-on-quarter revenue drop. Also notable, the warnings from huge global material and mining companies, such as RTZ and Anglo-American, that they've now seen peak quarterly earnings due not only to cost pressures, but also to waning demand. Possibly an indicator of recession, but also possibly an indication that these significant drivers of inflation may have peaked. It's very interesting for earnings, however, as it continues to be commodities that are driving the overall positive expectations in earnings, with other sectors being much more moderate. Nearer term then, the Bank of England looks set to raise interest rates by 50 basis points on Thursday. That would be the biggest single jump in 25 years and the reporting season will continue. Any highlights this week? For me, there's a fair few consumer and leisure names this week. This should give us a good insight into the current and expected strength of the consumer and their ability for discretionary spending. And on the macro front, we have final PMI data from the major economies, certain to be closely watched for signs of recession, and indeed data from China, hot off the press this morning, did show a slowdown in July after June's rebound. And we have the US unemployment data at the end of the week. We do. We have the non-farm payrolls, which have got expectations of 250,000 this month. That's down from 372 last month. But again, something alluded to by Powell in his speech, the labour market is still broadly strong and the potential for beats here remains to surprise the market. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Laura.